0: an hour of news, views and discussion. Well, Welcome to the show. Hi James. Hi Steve. Great to
1: see you again mate.
0: Yeah. We've got a bit of a special show this week actually. Now um, you spent the first day and I spent the second day at Unbound in London uh, just, a, just a week ago. Now how did you find the first day? I thought it was really good. Um, it's it's
1: quite a new and upcoming event. Um, it wasn't an established venue like Excel or Olympia. It was um, at the Truman Brewery, so a bit bit niche, a bit different. Um, but there were some great companies, some some brilliant startups that that we met there. Um, and I think in this sort of first section, uh, we're going to hear from some of
0: the people I met, and then and then for yourself um, in in the second half of the show, aren't we? Yeah, I think we are. And um, a lot of the people there, There were, I think there were uh, nearly 6,000 visitors on the first day or over the, the show. Uh, a lot of the exhibitors reported about the, the number of big companies that there were on the first day, uh, how they were looking for new technology, how they were looking for new partners. So yeah, I know it was very, very successful, to those that attended.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, I suppose a lot of them are trying to learn from those those big companies
1: that have been there through that sort of initial um, startup stage and, and sort of more established now. They're looking to emulate them and obviously any advice they can get from them would be um, invaluable. There, there are a lot of good speakers there, um, one of which was uh, Anne Bowden, the first I think, female CEO uh, of a bank in the UK. Um, and her company Starling Bank we're going to hear from in, in the first half of the show um, as well as Fest Event um, and Doppel um, quite a cool um, app, bit of back, back uh, end software um, that works with festival apps um, to, to uh, collate uh, analytical data around uh, people's interests in music and recommending other things they might like um, and Doppel's uh, quite a cool wearable um, that helps sort of relax you and uh, and also make potentially make you more alert but i'll
0: let them do the did do the explaining they need a rocket to keep you more alert wouldn't they
1: <laughs> a, a few cups of coffee as well
0: <laughs> let's hear from the uh the first few um uh, people that you interviewed
1: i'm now joined by harriet allner from starling bank um, here at unbound live um nice to meet you harriet
2: it's lovely to meet you as well
1: brilliant um You are a mobile-only bank, Um, can you tell us a bit about what that entails?
2: Yeah, so we like to talk about ourselves as a tech company with a banking license. We were founded in 2014 by Anne Bowden, uh, who is one of two female CEOs in the UK for a bank and the only female founder of a bank, and we launched our current accounts in May uh, this year, 2017.
1: Brilliant. Um, Anne was actually giving a talk here um, at the conference earlier today, Um, can you tell us a bit about what she was discussing? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, so she was talking about innovation in fintech and in banking and the changing relationship that we have with our banks today. So what does it mean to have a healthy relationship with your money? What does it mean to um, use a bank today? And how, what is that relationship going to look like in the future? In particular, we're very interested in what uh, the future of money is going to be and we believe that the future of banking is going to be invisible. So by that we mean that there's no reason why in the future you couldn't have the back end of your bank uh, be something like Starling or HSBC or Lloyd's. Um, but then the actual the front end be through your social media, be through um, your Amazon, any of those big tech companies. Or it could be through something completely different. It could be a lifestyle app. It could be anything like that. It's all going to be integrated into your life in a very seamless and non-interruptive way compared to how it is today where you have to get out your card and you have to um, think about your money in a quite a stressful and emotional way.
1: Yeah, no more continuously typing in your card number again and again and again.
2: Exactly, your data will be able to do so much for you in a way that it can't at the moment because actually it's all being controlled by the banks as they are but open APIs which are coming through PSD2 and the Payment Services Directives that means that actually banking is going to be so much more open and data is going to be so much more useful for customers um, for their own benefit rather than anyone else's.
1: So um, as a new customer if I set up a current account with, with Starling Um, How does it work in terms of uh, me putting money into the account, taking money out, spending on it? I mean, is it quite... Yeah. Could you just explain that to us?
2: Yeah. So, um, you can download the app within two minutes um, with a valid photo ID, so, you know, you need a passport or driver's license, whatever. Once you've actually got your account, there are all sorts of things that you can do um, straight away. Um, So, you can spend using um, the... It's a virtual card. So, we do have in-app provisioning through Apple Pay. So before your card even arrives in the post, your actual physical card, which you do get, you get a debit, um, you can start using and tapping through your Apple Pay. And then all of your spending insights come up in real time in the Starling Pulse, which is the central thing. So we believe in being able to see your money in a completely different way to the way you see it now. No more like long scrolling lists of things that are called like X133290. It's all you went to prep you had a coffee, you went to Tesco, you're going on holiday, um, and you can break things down by category and by merchant, so you can tell exactly where you're spending it, when you're spending it, um, how often you're spending it, if you're like me and you're buying your coffees every day.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I want to try that.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's it's a very different way of doing it, and in terms of, you can do it in several different ways. So you can you can switch to us using the current account switching service. Um, We do it in real time, we have a 7-day guarantee with them and it's done incredibly fast generally. Um, So you can do a full switch from your old bank and that's guaranteed by that service. You can also just try it out um, by transferring through faster payments or by uploading it through Apple Pay, straight into your account, so you can put £250 on, give it a go, see how you like it and then get wowed, hopefully, and stay, Um, or you know, you can get your salary paid in, anything like that, you can do what you want, just another current account.
1: Uh, and what makes you stand out from from other current accounts and um, high street banks that offer mobile
0: banking?
2: I think the thing that we're really finding customers are saying to us is actually how well Starling integrates into their life. We are all about helping your money adapt to you. So no more having to go to your bank branch, no more having to sit on a call line. Um, Everything is done through your app. So you can contact customer service 24 7 through the app you can give them a ring if you really want to. That's also there, but um, you know you can just tap it, send them a message, and they'll respond. Um, also, everything's in real time, so you can really get to understand where you're spending it immediately. Um, you can see when something's gone through twice by accident. Like sometimes merchants do that, um, and you can see all those little things that kind of might have been a surprise before. So I, for example, didn't realise that I'd overspent on um, some flights to uh, on for a holiday. It had gone through with two tickets instead of one, and I was able to do within 30 seconds, get it completely sorted out through a combination of like seeing it on my app and also going back to Skyscanner. So it was really, really simple. Um, and we're, we're seeing that kind of response from people um, all the time, just people saying it fits in with their life, um, it's, and it stands out for that reason. Um, we also have the marketplace. So this is our, um, this is a sort of financial ecosystem that we're building out around us. So we have the Starling app, that's your current account, that's your everyday money. But what about the rest of your financial life? So that could be, your, say you want to look into mortgages or you want to transfer money abroad or you're thinking about getting an ISA for the first time. Could, we don't want to. We don't know that we're not the best at providing those and we're never going to be the best at providing those. We're focused on providing the best current account. There are providers out there like TransferWise who we're partnered with and Moneybox who we're partnered with who are providing these services um, in a, a really interesting, innovative way, and actually, they can do those things for you. So you can, through your app, link up with them and do it at the touch of a button.
1: So, so everything's mobile and, and on your phone now.
2: Exactly. Like you know, everything we do today is mobile. You order your cabs. You you book your dates. You can find things to do. Like everything is real mobile. You know, I look at things. On my mobile before I go on my computer. I usually just look at my computer for work, um, whereas you know my day-to-day running of stuff is through my phone. And a lot of people live their life that way now. So I think that's where things like the marketplace really come in handy because you can do everything through Starling um, in a very very simple and intuitive way. Plus, it does. It's not limited to financial products. There's no reason why your energy bills, your or your um, fitness or your travel or any of those things can also link up through our open APIs, so your favourite apps they can work with us.
1: So yeah, it's embracing that trend of everyone going mobile and and just yeah integrating it as seamlessly as possible into our already technological lives.
2: Exactly, because money is when you think about it, money is generally very emotional. So you find a fibre in your jeans from last week and you're like, hooray, results! <laughs> you know, free. it's almost like free money, but it's not. But Um, and you know on payday as well you just go a bit overboard because you're so excited Um, there's a lot of stress though around money there's a lot of fear people get really nervous about it you know where is it going how do i control it how do i afford to the end of the month or the end of the week or you know (laughs) the end of my life (laughs) you know thinking ahead Um, but actually with technology it does not need to be that emotional it does not need to be stressful you can streamline and you can make it a healthy relationship um, and that's what we're really there to try and sort out and, and work on
1: Brilliant, I mean where can I sign up? Uh, where, can I, where can our listeners find out more information uh, about Starling Bank?
2: So we're on social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram um, and Twitter at Starling Bank, just you know one word um, if you're at Unbound or any of those kind of events we generally will have um, tokens that we can give out so you could jump ahead of the queue um, and yeah you know we're, we're always online and um, if you want to download us we're in the app stores and android stores so um, yeah come and find us we'd love to have you
1: <laughs> brilliant um, thanks very much for your time harriet um, nice to meet you and enjoy the rest of the show
2: thank you very much
1: we're still here at unbound live at the truman brewery and um, in the pod now we're joined by david jacobs from uh, fest event how are you david oh, very well thanks nice to meet you nice to meet you too um, thanks for coming along um, we're here um, to talk about, about your company and, um, and the sort of platform that you've developed um, that helps uh, bands and festivals collate um, data that's, that's specific to, to their requirements for, for sort of marketing and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, could you just tell us about the sort of inception of the company and, and, and how long you've been going for to begin with?
3: Sure. So, inception of the company, we really came from understanding a problem. Festivals have a real problem, they need to sell out they don't sell out they don't even break even so last 10% is where they sell out where they break even um, and that's where all the profit is from a touring artist's point of view they have a slightly different problem but quite similar which is who are my fans who is my audience and our argument is if you don't know who your audience is how can you monetize them and as you know in today's environment of streaming where it's all about music access rather than music ownership we have to move to a model where you perform live to survive and monetize that audience as they move forward we came up with the idea because we always had a focus it's my, not my first startup it's the second one which is about identity and it's identity and attaching services to that identity and also understanding what that identity does and that's really where we came from the point of view of grab that identity understand what it's doing and use that in a valuable way for the audience and for the festival or artists that they're following
1: so, so yeah, the platform you've got can be, can be tailored for, for different genres um, different festivals and obviously, uh, how is the, the sort of data harvested uh, by yourselves? Sure. So as you point out, it
3: is a platform. We create white label offerings, in other words it's branded to the artist or branded to the festival. Fundamentally a user will download an app which is filled with data from our content management system and the reason they're downloading it is for utility. If you're at a festival what do you want to know? You know, who's on, where are they on and when? Where's the bar and where are my friends? Might not be in that order. Often it's where's the bar, where are my friends, uh, who's on? Um, but that, you know, is, is fundamentally the model. And then it's all other sorts of things, you know, can I get a playlist etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So from the audience's point of view it's really about utility. Is this useful to me? Now, in the background what we're able to do with the audience's permission is understand what they're doing. In other words, what bands are your favourites? Which is the one you know you're going to go to? And then we use their location, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. We also collect their email addresses and their advertising identifier. Now, it's this information that is effectively like gold to the festival or the touring band. Because again, what do they want to do in future festivals? Sell out. They want to sell their merch. They want to move that fan from being a casual listener to being a super fan by properly engaging with them. And it's these mechanisms that allow them to do that, but they can only do it if they've got the tools. So at basic level, we collect the data, but then we provide them with a set of tools to say, this is how you can better target your current fans
1: and the fans you'd like to be your fans. And that's fundamentally what we do. And, and as a white label service, you are able to sort of collaborate and cross-reference different festivals and, or similar festivals and similar artists um, to provide them with, with potentially more fans that are out there that they haven't yet c- touched with? You've got it, it's exactly that. So behind
3: the scenes we have, without getting technical, a graph database. And the idea of a graph database is it allows us to traverse different data sets and understand or infer from it you know what particular parts of an audience will we'll be interested in so we focus a lot on electronic dance music and festivals will come to us and say we don't only want to advertise or contact the people we know about who came to our last gig we want to know about all your other electronic dance music fans can you help us reach them now you could argue well hang on won't facebook do that or twitter do that and the truth is it doesn't or if it does it's, it's expensive And what we're able to offer is actually a much more targeted view because we know these are definitely electronic dance music fans. We haven't inferred it. We know for a fact because they went to a a festival or they went to see a particular type of uh, artist. So it's it's less risky and much more uh, accurate and targeted. And on that basis, we provide a lot more value. But you say it's not just around a single event. That data is actually a continuum because, again, we Spotify, or Deezer, or Apple Music, whatever your favorite thing is. And there's a rich amount of information there as well, because what we're able to do by providing active playlists within the app as well, not outside of it, it's part of it, we're able to, again, get a broader understanding of what people are interested in, what they're listening to, and keep them engaged. That generates more data, they'll tell their mates about it, hey, you should listen to this, or go to this particular gig which again reinforces the model. So that's fundamentally how we do it.
1: How many, roughly, how many um, festivals and artists are you you currently working with?
3: So we've been very fortunate that we work with some of the uh, very large festivals. So um, we've probably got around 20 or 30 regulars, between 20 and 30 regulars, yeah. Uh, And we're fortunate we just won a a deal in uh, Africa for one of the largest festivals in Africa, so we're quite diverse as well. In terms of artists, that's actually been a a relatively new thing for us, so we're growing that right now. And then there's the third pillar, which is to be able to bridge the gap between individual festivals and artist types. So we have a a third capability, using all the same data, obviously, which is effectively uh, a genre-specific hub. So it's an EDM hub that will tell you all the gigs going on that are EDM-focused, electronic dance music-focused, be able to provide you with specific apps for each one and be able to effectively soak up what's going on across all of the festival.
1: I mean, to me, it sounds like a win-win for the for both the, the festival goers and the, the organisers. Obviously, the goers can, um, using the app itself, find out all that information, where, where's the bar, what bands are on. But obviously, further down the line, with the data that you're uh, providing to the organisers or to, to other festival organisers, they might find out about events or Or artists that they never had a clue about and obviously it's it's just coming to their doorstep isn't it?
3: That's exactly right Um, you know from a a festival organisers point of view it's gone away from the man in the sheepskin coat you know who would just book a few bands and and, and get it they're very sophisticated operations very professionally run and in the same way you run a large enterprise with a proper marketing department that uses data and it's a data-driven business, festivals musicians are all data-driven businesses. You know, we might have the glamorous view, oh, it's not like that, it's, it's something much more, you know, artistic and ephemeral. It's not true, it's data-driven, just like every other has, business has to be. Going back to the point you made about the audience, an area that we're also considering is, particularly as these uh, new regulations come along for data privacy, is giving the data that we collect back to each audience member. And if you think about it, in the same way that we have um, apps or mechanisms that tell you where you walked or where you ran or, you know, etc., now we've got a really interesting angle that's, that's actually valuable for the audience and it also makes them willing to keep sharing. This is the music you listened to with the various gigs you went to. These were the artists that you liked. This is where you went to on these particular days. These are the pictures you took through the app. And so suddenly you've got a replay uh, capability which is satisfying two needs. It satisfies our need to be compliant in a positive way rather than having collected all this data off you. Now we've turned a, what could be perceived as a, an intrusive thing into a much pos- more positive uh, thing. And I think every um, user-based app is going to have to consider how do you positively use the data and feed it back to the end user uh, so that they'll be uh, willing to carry on sharing. It's,
1: yeah, it looks like you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head in, in finding that, that solution yourself. Um, it's been great to chat with you, David. Where can uh, our listeners find out more about Fest Event?
3: Just go to the website, festevent.com, and that's F-E-S-T-Y-V-E-N-T. Sorry to spell it out. <laughs> festevent.com. we uh, would be lovely to have a chat if you want to find out more
1: information. Brilliant. Thanks for popping by. Excellent. Thank you. Bye. So we're here at Unbound Live in uh, in the Truman Brewery in London, uh, which is about to conduct our first interview of the show uh, with Georgina also from Doppel. How are you, Georgina?
4: I'm really well, thanks. How are you? Brilliant,
1: thanks. Yeah, look, it look, it's, I've not been here long, but it's a busy show. Um, it, there's a lot of startups, um, the likes of Orange um, and Vice are, are also here, as, as well as obviously the Tech Talk Show. Um, and Georgina, your, your your company, wearable technology, um, is sort of you've got the the product on. So it's a wristwatch. Sort of design. Um, Can you tell us a bit about Doppel? um, Sort of how long you guys have been going for, and then and then talk to us about the the product that you've brought along here.
4: Absolutely. So the the company has existed for uh, around three years. Um, We are we come from uh, research in psychophysiology, which is essentially the relationship between your brain and body, uh, and then applying technology, I guess, in that space. Um, to try and change your experiences uh, of your day and how you feel Um, so we're very much sitting where it's it's wearable Um, we are very firmly in the wearable space but it's not a monitoring device it's not a smartwatch it actually and we'll go into the product later but it emits a uh, a heartbeat like vibration on the inside of your wrist um, and it helps you feel calmer and more focused uh, on demand Uh, and we've done lots of research into that but yeah we've existed Primarily, we're initially doing research into that space, and then developing this, which is our first product, um, to go to market in actually a few few weeks' time.
1: That must be a really exciting time then for the company. Um, so the it, it, it's so it's emitting currently. You're wearing it at the moment um, for, for our listeners, and it's emitting a heartbeat. Uh, can the timing of the of the beat be adjusted?
4: Yep, absolutely. So it's a it's a heartbeat-like vibration. Um, which obviously you feel on the inside of your wrist, actually where you would expect to pick up your pulse. Um, And the the idea behind it is you you would set it with reference to your physiology, like your natural heart rate. So, for example, I've got this one running at the moment at around 50 beats per minute, because my resting heart rate is quite high. Uh, One of my colleagues has a really low resting heart rate. I think it's around 45, so he would find something... Uh, even lower than that more calming so yeah you very much uh, take your resting heart rate in advance Uh, there's a very simple companion app uh, to allow you to do that and it will sort of it will set your the presets that we think will help you feel uh, calmer um, or more alert and focused but specifically for you because everyone is different everyone's physiology is different everyone's heart rate is different Um, so yeah there's there's no one sure beat but it's more whether it's below or above
1: And and, and what would you say are the most um, applicable applications um, for for the product to be used in in everyday life?
4: So it's really varied um, and actually we as a company, don't ever say, Hey, use it for this because everyone has wanted to change how they feel at some point. Whether it's you have a coffee in the afternoon to make, make you feel more alert, or maybe it's taking a break from the office and doing some breathing, or taking a walk at lunchtime, or having a nice, relaxing glass of wine at the end of the day, there is no perfect use case, I guess, for wanting to change how you feel or wanting to feel less stressed. I mean, that saying, we do see a lot of our pre order customers are really looking forward to using it in the office. Uh, it's stressful meetings and things like presentations where lots of us feel nervous and stressed. Um, just in, you know those specific scenarios. Um, but we, I, we've had all sorts of people write in and say, "Hey, I want to use it for specifically around driving on my commute, or I want to use it to help me unwind at the end of the day just before the kids get home." Um, so it, it is really varied, but generally, like either. Either you would use it in specific situations where you want to change how you feel, Um, like I'm using this right now to help me feel more relaxed and calm in this setting and also to help me speak slower. Um, But I wouldn't necessarily use it throughout my day in the office because most of the time I'm I'm pretty happy there. Um, But some of our customers want to use it on a low level throughout the day. Um, it, It really depends.
1: And, and also you can you can make it a higher level if you want to be more alert so it works conversely like that as well
4: Absolutely, so we've seen a lot of people interested in using it in that sort of you know, post-lunch lull maybe instead of having a coffee because the caffeine's going to keep you awake later and you're trying to get a good night's sleep for the next day but you still want that little boost um, and actually like one of our earlier tests was around like control, single-blind tests um, around uh, using it to feel uh, more alert and to sustain focus and we did it with um, reaction time tests and measuring the, the number of mistakes that people can make them that. So uh, yeah, Docker will help you also feel more alert if you wanted to. But generally more of our customers are interested in, in helping uh, around the calming side about de-stressing and we see that generally in like Western urban markets as well um, that just want to chill out a little bit and this is a really easy way to do it you know maybe you wanted to start meditating 10 years ago but you never got around to it and this the effect works within moments and um you can just put on and forget about it it's silent it's not it's very discreet
1: so um so yeah yeah so yeah as you said it's, there's no noise emitting from it it's um it's just is it just like a, a small tapping what could you describe to our listeners the actual sensation of of it as the heartbeat rhythm um yeah. emits
4: so it i mean it's it's fundamentally a vibration. It's a small, for any tech geeks out there, like a coin, um, coin motor. Um, it feels. I mean, we've en- we've engineered the beat to feel um, very much like you feel a heartbeat, so you really feel the like the love dub, love dub of the beat. Um, but the actual motor itself will be similar to one that you would find in a mobile phone. So if you think about, I mean, those ones are they're much sharper vibrations because they're designed to get your attention, whereas this is more. Um, I mean, Andreas, our fantastic uh, CTO, would be able to describe this in much more detail around uh, how you would vary the, the intensity of the vibration throughout that beat. But it is, yeah, essentially it's, it's a vibration that you're used to, uh, but applied in a way which very much feels like the love up of a beat.
1: Um, so you mentioned at the beginning of the interview you're going to launch soon. Um, when, when will that be, and, and how can our listeners find out more about Doppel?
4: So first of all, you can find out more through our website, which is www.doppel.london. Uh, As I said earlier, it's it's currently available to pre-order, and so we're launching to our pre-order customers uh, very, very soon. Actually, three of the five of us uh, from from the company are in China right now overseeing the assembly process. So that's just the case of lovingly putting together each and every single doppel uh, and then shipping it uh, to our distribution sites in the UK and in the US uh, to get to our customers. Uh, But then it will be available to buy through our website uh, basically in the autumn. we've delivered to our pre customers and everyone's happy
1: Brilliant so not long before we're going to see them see them on the streets
4: oh, okay. uh, Yeah very soon It's uh, I mean it was originally a kickstarter project and we've been collecting pre-orders since then We put since this project started we've put a huge amount of work into the research and development and the design and manufacture process in fact even the motor which you and I can see because actually we've Engineered it so that the top is clear so you can actually see it spinning those didn't exist at mass manufacture scale before we designed this product And we thought that it was very important to have a, a visual stimulus as well on the device um, Just you know almost to kind of like Show how it show actually how it works like it is actually quite simple although my designer would say it's absolutely not simple trying to make tiny electronics um, And fit everything in a small space uh, but, but yeah, like you We've been working over the last year or so to finalize that design and to go through the design for man- manufacturing process and then also to do extensive quality control um, and now we're we're almost there
1: brilliant it's, it sounds very exciting it's a really um, aesthetic product as well it's quite quite stylish and and yeah with, with wearables going in the direction they're going it looks looks like it could catch on very nicely um, thanks for
0: joining me georgina and um, enjoy the rest of the show
4: thank you very much cheers
0: so it was great to hear from them, James, wasn't it? The uh, three companies that you interviewed—yes,
1: yeah, Starling, Festivent and Doppel—were um, just three of a of a few that we
0: that we saw on, uh, over the the whole um, show. Um, great, yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna use some of those interviews in other shows going forward as well, aren't we? Now the second day where I I attended was very much more around startup focus and new companies into the um, into the market. And um, there was lots of advice, lots of great speakers talking to people about how to start businesses, how to how to network, and how to take your uh, innovation forward. Yes. Um, yeah,
1: we, we were just touching on it at the start of the show about how um, yeah, there's a lot that can be learned uh, from companies that have already trodden that, that well-worn path. Um, and just, yeah, a bit of
0: um, sort of inspiration for, for the new companies on, on the block. So coming up, we've got three interviews which were taken on the day. We've got FreeStack, which is um, a great bit of software and uh, app uh, and and web uh, browser, which joins up product placement with people to place it for them. So, um, you know, for instance, if you've got a sportsman or someone who's perhaps involved in a particular sport and you'd like them to test out a uh, new product, then it's it's a marketplace for, for joining those two up great to help people extend their reach of their products we've got labrador um jane lucy and labrador is about energy saving and there's some really good functionality there and lucy uh uh, jane lucy describes in depth about how that works and then malsey which i'm not a great shopper myself james are you well you've seen my address sensor no no (laughs) no exactly but it is shopping on speed really uh it's uh it's great that you can look through and rate stuff really quickly. Uh, fantastic idea. And uh, we'll hear all about that coming up in now. So, Simon Free- Freeman is here with me. Hi, Simon. Nice Hi. to see you. Hi. nice Welcome to the show. Tell me, Freestack. What's, what, what's Freestack about?
5: Um, we've basically created a platform that allows brands to find and engage with digital influencers, specifically in the sports sector.
0: Okay, so tell me a little bit more about that, what, how, how does it actually work?
5: So um, it's a little bit like a dating site, so the brands create a profile and they're able to run what we call campaigns where they can explain what it is that they're looking for from content creators and influencers and what it is they're going to offer in return and then influencers on the platform similarly create a profile and they can then apply for those campaigns, the brands are able to select the ones they want to work with and run a campaign with them.
0: And just for our listeners' benefit, what what would be a an influencer? What, how would you describe an influencer?
5: It's a really interesting question, actually. Um, there's not a there's not a simple answer. It's somebody that is has the capability of moving the needle from the point of view of the brand. So they're either generating awareness or potentially driving sales. Uh, they're creating content around the brand's proposition or, or, or products, and actually in some cases they'll have a huge reach, they might have half a million followers. In other cases, they have a much lower reach, but the, maybe the quality of content or the levels of engagement they're able to achieve are much higher.
0: So um, we see, there's, it's a very segmented market there, isn't it? Age, age is very much dominates how people receive messages. Yeah, is that right?
5: Agreed. The only personal anecdote that I would offer against that really is um, my dad is 70 uh really doesn't know how to use a mobile phone doesn't have a smartphone te- technically not not uh not really there with with down with the kids but he's obsessed with youtube because he's discovered that he can easily access videos about golf which is his his life now that he's retired so i think that the more that the more that the content becomes easy to access the more there's going to become a sort of a uh, a democratization of how that it, it, that content is is spread. I mean, my dad is never going to pick up Snapchat, but there are certain ways in which he can access that influencer content. Yeah, I
0: think um, I'm I'm like that with YouTube, but I'm more on the cars, come motorsport, come whatever, and it is a great a great way to access that. Twitter is as well. I mean, I was at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, they a great Twitter feed. It was really good actually. The information. That's probably the right demographic now, I suppose.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and, and I guess like all forms of media, there's something for everyone. You know, there's there's children's TV programmes, which are seven minutes long, they're not going to engage an older audience. And then there's, I don't know, late night dramas that are targeted at a different demographic. So, you know, I think the the wonderful thing about social content, influencer driven content is that there's something for everyone.
0: So FreeStack, how long have you been going as a company?
5: So we started out as a as an agency for running brands four years ago, four five years ago. Um, what we discovered over the over sort of three or four years of working with brands was that what was having an impact was was working with influencers, but we didn't have a tool in which to do that at scale. So about two years ago, we started developing the FreeStack platform, and about eighteen months ago, we basically dropped the agency side of our business, and we now focus full time on on building the platform. And so.
0: Um Generally, what sort of success can companies get by having an influencer or a group of influencers on board? It's another
5: really good question. I think it has to depend entirely on what the brand is looking to achieve. So for some of our clients, they're startups themselves, or they've got a very new, different product. For them, it's all just about awareness. It's like, can we get this in the hands of enough people with a big enough audience that that consumers just start to become aware of it? For others the brief is well we want to drive sales in which case they could come onto the platform and run an affiliate program where they can directly see click-throughs from content into an e-commerce platform so it, it kind of depends on what they want um, but ultimately provided there's a quid pro quo that they're offering the influence something that allows them to generate content for their audience then then they'll they'll see a good return on investment
0: and i assume that your platform has enabled the range of influencers to be drastically increased I suppose.
5: Yeah I think one of the one of the many challenges that we were trying to solve was that, that there are influencers out there creating great content but they don't know how to access the brands and at the same time we were talking to brands who said we've got some great products we don't know how to find the influencers so one of the things that we've been able to do is, is, is scale up and allow brands to maybe work with where, where maybe in the past they were working with 10 or a dozen influencers, they're now able to work to 50 or 60 or 100 because everything's um, managed within a platform. It's it's totally scalable.
0: And I assume it's probably cheaper than having to go and source through an agency. It's, it's far more financially viable to do that.
5: It, it is at scale. I think if a, if a brand came to us and said, we just want to see three products, we want to send three pairs of running shoes out to three influencers, it wouldn't be cost effective. But once you get up to 50 or 100 influencers or you want to run multiple programs one a month throughout the year then yeah it becomes much more financially viable.
0: And, and in terms of product placement and, and influencing what, what are the biggest sectors in terms of is it sports or is it other goods or what, what is it?
5: So we are focused entirely on sports and specifically at the moment on endurance sports because we it's the area that we know best and the, and the thing that is not uh, that is manual is building the influencer community and I think in order to do that effectively you've got to really know that that sector so for us it's all about sports but there are some amazing influencer communities in fashion in particular automotive again I think anywhere where people are really passionate about something and are prepared to create content about the thing they're passionate about you can find an influencer community.
0: So at the moment it's Tour de France Chris Froome I don't see him actually uh, taking on much influencing at the moment is he?
5: No, uh, the thing about Chris. So I met Chris Froome recently. He's a he's a wonderful guy, and I really hope that he he uh, he wins his fourth tour. It'd be amazing. But he he's an interesting. You know, athletes like Chris and Mo Farah and people like that aren't actually of that much interest to us because they are tied up in commercial deals, which means that they can't promote other products. What we're interested in are the uh, to coin a phrase, kind of the weekend warriors—the people who are really passionate about the sport, but they're probably not doing it professionally—and um, they're happy to try out different products and, and offer their opinions uh, to their to their audience. But go, Chris!
0: Yeah, well, he's—I uh, he's, think he's thirty-eight seconds ahead, coming in four stages left. So
5: that, that seems nuts, right? They've cycled for eighteen days, and he's got a thirty seconds, thirty-seven second lead. I mean. That's I take longer than that to tie my shoelaces
0: absolutely amazing and uh, see him in the mountains the last few days he's been awesome
5: Yeah, really incredible
0: so um, great show for you hope you've made lots of contacts here
5: yeah we really have it's been really great and and one of the wonderful things about coming to a show like this is that you get, get to meet other businesses share the pain you know share the success success story so you see so you just by being here and talking to the others especially in the in the um, in the sort of 50 startups that are, that are here, um, you feel less isolated, you feel less like you're doing this on your own.
0: I mean, we talk to loads of companies like, you know, the profile similar to yours, and they are all going through the same issues about funding, about how to get their idea out there, how to generate revenue, how to get customers. And it's the same for everybody, regardless of what tech they're developing.
5: Well, it's true. I mean, we, we were lucky enough to go through um, an accelerator program, and our mentor said, however long you think it's going to take it'll take longer and however hard you think it's going to be it'll be harder and we thought no it won't be it'll be fine and well what do you what, what,
0: what? we assume he was right yeah, you know I mean?
5: he, he was 100 percent right
0: oh great well great to hear from you and uh where can people get more info on freestack
5: uh so we're at freestack.com which is f-r-w-e-s-t-a-k.com and then on the usual social channels
0: Cheers Simon, great to speak to you, lovely to be on the show and uh, all the best for the future. Thank you very much Steve. Cheers, thanks. So, uh, Jane Lucy from Labrador's with me, welcome to the show.
6: Thanks very much.
0: And uh, Labrador, tell me, I'm intrigued, what is it?
6: It's a service that makes sure that a household is always on the cheapest energy tariffs available to them without them having to do anything.
0: And why Labrador, where did that come from?
6: I was looking for a name that had some sort of association with the home and um, ideally reinforce the brand values that we have around loyalty and trustworthiness and so forth
0: uh, yeah it's really good actually yeah uh, now i 'm terrible i 've been on the same tariff for years i 'm losing out aren't I
6: you are you're like ninety percent of the country that doesn't have the time or interest or doesn't know have the right information to do a comparison which is exactly this problem that we 're trying to solve is is getting rid of the confusion, but more importantly, letting you get on with more enjoyable things in life while we do it for you.
0: I mean, is, is that part of it that people think it's so hard to swap or change that they just can't really be bothered?
6: Well, yes. I mean, myself, I, you know, it's, you sort of dread to think of those sorts of personal admin chores that have been sitting on your list for the last nine months. And in the meantime, there's probably been price changes in the market every week that you've had no idea of. You know you only think about it from t- maybe once a year whereas you've missed out on all the savings in the meantime so I think you know the, the Competition Markets Authority found some people were spending three hours to do a single comparison who's got the time to do that
0: I certainly haven't well I couldn't be bothered actually really to be perfectly honest but how what does Labrador do then for people
6: it takes away this confusion and their headache and gives you the peace of mind that you're not being overcharged Um, and you can see in real time your usage and cost if you want to but if you're not interested you don't have to look at it but just have the peace of mind of knowing that you're paying the right amount.
0: So is Labrador constantly changing for you or is it just telling you what, what you could save?
6: It's up to the customer as to whether or not they want to appoint us under a delegated authority that we can do the switching for them or if they would prefer us to send a message with the recommendation that they then opt in to accept. But the, the market um, is obviously a regulated one of the energy, and the fastest you can switch is three weeks and three days. So it's not like you're going to switch 10 suppliers in 24 hours or anything like that. But we expect that people probably switch you know, a couple of times a year, but we'll see what happens with the prices.
0: So the, um, you've developed an app, I assume, or is it a web-based um, application?
6: It is web-based, but it's designed to access um, on on a mobile, so you know, for people who are interested to keep an eye on their budget, they can look at what's happening in the home, even when they're remote, like at work, they can see whether or not the kids have left the air conditioning on or the heating and so forth.
0: So it gives lifetime data on your usage, and then it's offering options in terms of, actually if you change this company or this rate, uh, because of your usage profile, this is what you'd save, that sort of thing.
6: Exactly. So instead of giving sort of empty savings based on estimated data, it's able to give people tangible information to make effective decisions.
0: I I think somebody said to me, it's surprising how much your house uses, even when you're not there, in terms of electricity.
6: I know. I mean, the, the cost of standby can be enormous for some households, and it, you know, this is another thing which is the benefit of this type of granular data for people who are interested to sort of, you know, go into the details. But you can work out the cost of individual appliances, for instance. So, not just in terms of standby items, but know how much it costs to boil a cup of tea or how how much the fridge is costing, and that, you know, that, that sort of insight does help to be more energy efficient.
0: And what's the sort of average savings you're seeing with your, your customers?
6: Um, the average savings in the market at the moment is around £350 a year, but you know that's for an average user. On the, the higher side there are savings of around £750, £850 a year, so it's, it is significant savings.
0: That's a lot of money, isn't it? So um, what's been the hardest part of setting up Labrador?
6: Um, it just takes time you know, to set up a business, and, um, and I think with our business, because the data has lots of different applications, you know, it, it's about deciding what the best application is and what's going to resonate with people. I mean, I think in the energy market, there are a number of, um, of problems around estimated bills and direct debits being set at the wrong amount, and, and I guess it's sort of a bit of patience as to being able to sort of expand and, and offer solutions to some of these other things as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. It's, it's not just about monitoring the usage, it's actually a package of this is how how you should be able to do it and helping you do that as you.
6: Exactly, and I think the best thing of all, of course, is that you know people, we're not requiring behavior change. You know, We understand that people have got busy lives and it is complex. You know, Not many people want to know what a kilowatt hour is. So it's about the fact that they can leave it to Labrador. Well,
0: that's excellent, well, thank you. And, and I hope you've enjoyed the show. and hope it's been successful for you. Uh, just tell us where people can get more information from
6: our website is www.thelabrador.co.uk and best of all it's all free it's free it's, yes that's right yeah.
0: so uh, you're going to save me money for free thank you i might sign up jane actually that sounds really good well thanks for joining us and uh, great to have you on the show thank you thanks very much I'm joined by Katrina Rist from Molsey. Uh, hi, Katrina, how are you doing? So Molsey, tell me a little bit about what it is.
7: Yeah, so we actually started three years ago as a consumer shopping app. So our kind of approach to shopping is a really fun approach, and it's a Tinder-style um, swipe left if you don't like it, swipe right if you do like it so we 're now at the point where we 've scaled up to one point one million users, um, and most of those are in the UK so we have a really great market in the uk we 're the biggest multi retailer shopping app um, in the UK market I think today we 're about seventeen in the app stores so we 're ahead of people like Zara and next, which is fabulous that
0: um, is amazing yeah. actually yeah
7: yeah so I mean that 's been an amazing growth as a kind of consumer business, but I work much more on the um, kind of p- partnership and business development side so what we actually do now is because we have these uh, these swipes so people are you know going through each product they're telling us swiping left if they don't like it swiping right if they do like it we're actually capturing opinions so each month we capture around 20 opinions and within the history of Molsey we've captured about 300 over 300 million opinions
0: so that's sorry that's two. So that's, how many opinions each month
7: so 20 million opinions.
0: 20 million yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of shopping.
7: It is a lot of shopping. So that's the really great thing about the swiping is people are really, you know, there's there's no incentive for them to do it. They just enjoy the kind of fun element of looking through products, uh, swiping them left, swiping them right. But what
0: How quickly, I've got to ask this, yeah. how quickly do people make their minds up whether they like something or not? That's that'd be really interesting. So
7: that is a really interesting thing. Our data scientist Martina is actually doing a huge amount of you know research around that you know, does the lingering on the picture, does that imply intention? Um, Or, you know, the faster someone goes past something, does that mean they really don't like it? Or the longer they look at it and then they swipe it, does that mean they really don't like it? So we're looking at a lot of the other kind of incremental metrics around um, how long people swipe on it. But I will tell you the average session um, of a user in the app now is 10 minutes, uh, which is three times the industry standard. So, you know, when people come in, they love it and they stay. And the, the average products rated per session is 90 products. So if you think about that, in a 10 minute session people are rating about 90 products.
0: That's really cool. So that's like two or three seconds of product. Yeah,
7: Yeah. so really, you know, we're getting really scalable kind of opinion data which we're now giving back to retailers. So we're doing that in a couple of ways. Um, One of them is all the products that we're listing, we're giving back um, the data on the product. So, what, what products been swiped the most to be liked, and what products been swiped the most to be disliked, and able to actually feed that back to retailers to help them optimise their own marketing and their own on-site merchandising by using the best products to bring people in, and you know maybe get a bit of an early heads up on products that might struggle. But what's actually more interesting than that, because at that point they've bought the stock. So, you know, if they find out something's a bad product, it's been seen by 300 people, one person's liked it. You know, it's a 0.33% like ratio. It's too late. They've got 10,000 in stock.
0: Sat in the warehouse waiting to go. Yeah,
7: Sat in the warehouse, dead inventory, um, wasting, you know, the time of the team, the money, the investment. So what we're now doing is allowing people to test new products, so new collections, with just an image. So we can create a, a kind of a feed in our app with uh, pictures of their new collection. We can put it out to their target market. So if you're targeting males 28 to 35, we can say, OK, this will only be seen by that audience. And we let the users sit there and they swipe it through it. We call it a first look or you know an exclusive look at a new, new range. And within a couple of days we can collect thousands of opinions and we can actually give that back to retailers to use as a data point when they're making that stock order so they're using that you know in conjunction with their own understanding of the market and their own um, creativity, but it's actually giving them a concrete data point around opinions of those products in a really quick scalable way that they can put into their buying process.
0: So what's the uh, age profile of people that are using the app, what's the sort?
7: So it does tend to be younger in general, but the app is made for everyone from 16 to 60, so we have brands in there that...
0: You're never to... gonna get me shopping on here. <laughs>
7: we will, I'll give you a referral code that'll get you five pounds off, we'll get you on it by the end of the day. No, the idea is that the app is for everyone. We have brands with uh, working with us at the moment who are targeting people forty-five to to sixty, and we're running campaigns on that age range. And then we we can run age range anything from kind of fourteen to fourteen to sixty.
0: So, uh, has the hardest bit been getting consumers or getting companies to list their products?
7: It's a good question. So, we see it as definitely you know, it's a stage by stage process. We, at, you know, at first we didn't have the data to give to retailers, so we had to scale the business on the consumer side first. And we still, you know, we still have a great team who kind of work on that every day, building that cons- the consumer element of the app, you know, the developers and the kind of marketing team getting people in. But, you know, now the challenge is we've only been sort of Selling these insights and kind of speaking to retailers about the potential of these insights since January, so that's really the massive push for us now is making you know making people aware that there is this opportunity to get this feedback ahead of the new collection launch.
0: I mean the metrics are you know that's incredible. It, it would be priceless, I think, as a, a, a fashion retailer to get some pre-assessment, but but market pre-assessment, not not professional pre-assessment.
7: Exactly, and I think for a long time. You know the fashion industry has relied on four people sitting in a room making a decision that's costing the company millions and you know I hate to say it but I don't think the fashion industry is in a great place at the moment you, the, the, the amount of discounting especially in fashion is huge you walk down any high street and you'll see people slashing pr- prices 60% off You know, we have a lot of data, so we have done some analysis of the amount of products in our app that are on sale. And, you know, in some times of the year, 40% of products are on the market are available at a discount. So that's saying those products aren't good enough to sell through at a discount at a full price. And the other thing about that is the damage that that does to your brand. You know, if you're seen as a brand which is, oh, I'm not going to buy this at full price, because I know in three months they'll slash 50% off it and then I'll just buy it then. That does you no good in the... the
0: Um, I mean to me it looks like the cheapest way to have probably a huge focus group effectively in in one go. You've got thousands and thousands of people assessing your product.
7: And that's how we see it, it's like really mass market research but for the mobile generation. And the other interesting thing about focus groups is you know, those people are incentivized to be there. People are shopping in our app and they're giving their opinions because they want to. There's absolutely no incentive for them to give feedback other than that they enjoy swiping through products and they're honest about the way that they, whether they like something or whether they don't. They're not sitting down having to justify for 10 minutes exactly what it is about the product that they don't like. They just gut instinct, they just know.
0: I'd hate to see the profile of my Tinder. Pro- <laughs> <laughs> how many people went right and left? I if you can, get, can you get that feedback?
7: I did actually. I did actually look this up as out of just my own curiosity about the most liked person on Tinder, and there is an article in the Daily Mail that shows you the the most liked male and the most liked female. But, yeah. Was
0: it surprising or not?
7: It was a bit surprising because they were both very good looking, but they also looked like really nice people. They were like having fun with their friends and they were smiling, you know, they're not posing. So, there's a lot to be said for, yeah, the kind of the gut reaction of, you know, the way something makes you feel. Yeah.
0: So, do you do you see that you'll publish your top uh, monthly product, i.e. Those that, the one that gets swiped the most?
7: Yeah. So, we we have all that information ourselves and we do use that to drive a lot of our marketing. So. Our uh, cost per acquisition of a user is actually a third of the industry average, so it's 50 pence for us to require a download through Facebook, because we have all the data about the best products, so we know that if you want to target um, females 16 to 20, you should use a Calvin Klein bralette. So we use the insights that we generate to improve our own business, and that's really where the idea came from, that this could actually be something that retailers themselves could use.
0: Well, I, I'm absolutely blown away. Actually, fantastic uh, product, and it, it was really interesting. It's a really insight into how uh, metrics and feedback will inform lots of different markets. But fashion is obviously a clear um, uh, leader in that. I think. Yeah.
7: And I think what's really great about fashion for that immediate, you know, that immediate feedback is it's so visual. You're not looking at. It's not a camera, so you don't have to go and look at the pixels. You're not making a decision based on. You know, complex things that are aren't measurable. You're just saying oh, this is a red top that I like. This is a red top that I don't like. So, you know, it's really easy for us to get those very clear opinions.
0: So, where can we get more info? Uh,
7: Brands.molsey.com is our um, uh, uh, sort of business-to-business page. If you want to talk about talk to us about listing with us, and then malsey.com is our um, is our consumer page. But the apps available in the Apple App Store and in the Google App Store as well. It's available on Android and iOS. So yeah, that's where that's the best place to go in and start swiping.
0: Thanks, I'm gonna have a go. Yeah. You may even get me shopping <laughs> by the end of the day.
7: Oh, brilliant, yeah, well then, uh, job's done. It's all been worthwhile.
0: Oh yeah, hardly. Thank you ever so much. Right, Lovely to speak you. to you. Thanks. Well, James, that's the end of the show. We've heard some great speakers, uh, some great interviews, and thank you for doing the first day. It was really good. Um, unbound's a great event isn't it yeah um and and it was
1: really more startup focused uh, which is as as we touched on earlier again it wasn't actually something that we were are that used to um a lot of the companies we're, we're, that we're meeting um the, they're the ones we want to shout about i mean the 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 sort of the new uh young companies that are making their way in the world we want to be the first to bring you what it is they're doing and 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 for that sort of uh, aspect it was
0: it was great for us wasn't it yeah, Unbound was brilliant. I mean, Dan Seal there, we, we had Dan on the show actually a few weeks ago, didn't we, before before the event. They run, I think they've run three, or they're going to run three this year, um, Singapore, uh, London, and the next one, I think the last one must be in Miami. Miami. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it is in Miami. So great there. Um, we, we hope them, you know, all, best, all the best for the future, and, and hopefully we'll be with them again next year.
1: Yes, uh, Renee and Krasinda, they were great helps, um, sort of helping us um, set up and making sure we had everything we needed and yeah, not a bad
0: word to say really about it. No, and I think for uh, newish, not just startup, but for, you know, sort of second, third year companies, very cost effective way to get yourself into the marketplace or seen because there were some key people there and key other companies that are there and it's not, it wasn't it was nowhere near as expensive as some of the other shows we've seen in the past, so it's great.
1: Yeah, everyone was really friendly as well. Um, I mean, not that generally they aren't, but uh, I found a lot more people actually coming up and chatting to us rather than just walking past. Everyone was interested in everything that was there. They just wanted to speak to as many people as they could, uh, which was great.
0: Yeah, I think also that being a slightly alternative venue, not some corporate sterile XL or NEC, I think that added to the atmosphere
1: yeah definitely Uh, quite a cool venue Truman Brewery Um, yeah brilliant
0: well that's the end of the show and thanks for joining us and uh, hope to uh, hope to have you along soon